Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. My guest today is Andreas Zalumis, owner of Thirst Coffee Shop. In our conversation, Andreas talks about entering entrepreneurship through a creative lens and how he's created an inclusive setting that draws diverse clientele. But it is the most wonderful time of the year. Let's hear about this weekend's downtown festivities to ring in the holiday season. I'm now joined by Megan Davis. Megan is the community engagement manager for Parks and Rec at the city of Waco. So glad to have you tell us a little bit about a fun event kicking off this evening. Hey, thanks for having us today. Yes, we have our Waco Wonderland event kicking off this evening in downtown Waco. It's our signature downtown holiday event. It's a three-day festival uh, that begins tonight at 5 p.m. Um, but to kick off the real festivities part of it is our tree lighting ceremony and our fireworks show at 7 p.m. So come downtown, you know, grab a bite to eat in our food truck square and our mistletoe market and uh, enjoy the fireworks show downtown over just right by the Alco building. How tall is the tree? Six, uh, 35 feet, I believe. I may be lying on it, but I believe it's 35 feet. Okay, that's pretty tall. <laughs> it's pretty tall. And I know in years past, there's typically a Santa that's there. Uh, you can go sit on his lap and tell him all the gifts you want. There's, I think there was like a sledding area last year, maybe. Tell us a little bit more about the amenities. Sure. So like I said, it is today through Sunday. Uh, Tonight we'll have live reindeer on site. We'll have our Santa house open, which is free pictures with Santa. We'll have arts and crafts available. Uh, Live entertainment. A lot of good entertainment will hit our stage this week and throughout the weekend. Uh, Tomorrow at 10 a.m. we kick off with our holiday parade down Austin Avenue. It'll begin at 14th Street and go into Heritage Square. Uh, Disperse there. And again, we'll have all the fun festive things. Our Mistletoe Market has expanded this year. So we have about 35 local vendors that will be selling holiday things things uh, along with our food trucks. But the big signature piece of this event that people really come out to enjoy is the snow hill that is open at 3 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, That snow hill is a huge snow hill. It has three lanes. Uh, We have a junior snow hill too for the little kids for our second year in a row. So the toddlers are able to enjoy it while their big sisters and brothers do the larger one. But that'll be 3 to 10 tomorrow and then from noon to 6 on Sunday. This is setting up to be a wonderful Waco weekend. You might be able to go to the farmer's market Saturday morning, go be part of that parade, walk down, and do a little bit of riding in the afternoon. Megan, I think that the staff and you all the way from Jonathan Cook down do such a good job at these events. 
at making it inclusive for anybody, any sort of age, any economic bracket in Waco. There really is something for everybody. And there's the reason why you guys do these events so well is because you listen to the community. There is another opportunity for the community to be heard on December 12th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the South Waco Community Center. You guys are talking about this Floyd Casey Park development. And we're still at the early planning stages of this. But this is another example where Wacoans' voices can be heard. Why do you think it's important for people to come out to an event like this? or any other Waco events? Well, as you mentioned, Austin, I mean, I, we do. We want to take back, you know, feedback from our, our, our residents here in Waco to find out what they want and they need so we can produce and give an outcome that's, you know, acceptable to them and that it's fun and exciting. For Waco Wonderland, you know, people give us feedback all the time on what they want to see. So each year we try to incorporate little new new things to spice it up a little bit. And then again, like with the Floyd Casey Development Project, we want that community conversation and that engagement piece. It's very important to us to get the feedback so that we can build and plan off what the community wants and wants to see. So it is very important to us, and it is the foundation of all of our events and all of our planning for things. Some of my favorite city events in the past have been Pints in the Park. That was a beer thing that you guys did for a while. Of course, the Brazos Night Summer Concert Series. And Megan, some of the people that you guys have booked in the past, whether it's Charlie Crockett or Paul Coffin, much bigger now than probably what our city of Waco budget allows for I would imagine even here, while still in 2023, you guys are already thinking about the summer. What's going to be on tap for the Brazos series? Yes, we are. We're you know we're steady fast looking at different artists and you know entertainment items. And you, you mentioned it like a lot of these these folks that we've had here in Waco have just blown up and they're they're beyond our budget. But we've had them, so we've seen them. Uh, so next year, you know, we'll look at our normal concert series April, May, June, and then end with our July Fourth festivities over at McLean or Touchdown Alley. So we haven't booked anybody quite yet, but I can expect at the first of the year that we'll be making some announcements. We've got some wonderful talent scouts in the Parks and Rec Department for the city of Waco. Megan Davis, thank you so much for telling us a little bit about this weekend's festivities and what you do. Thank you for having me. Top Down Wellness. I'm CJ Jackson, and this is the Business Review. Research shows unhealthy and burnt out workers are less engaged at work and not as productive. Ted Kitterman, editor and writer for Reagan Communications, explains why workplace wellness issues are actually a leadership issue. Leaders play a huge role in this. They set culture, they drive so much of what an organization does and set so many expectations that we know that leaders are the number one ingredient in workplace wellness. If you have employees in your organization that are burnt out, that are not sleeping, that are not getting exercise or using tobacco or leading unhealthy lifestyles, there's a high probability that it ties back to actions that leadership is taking. According to military and University of Oregon research, leadership that promotes healthy work-life balance and lifestyles is a key to employees' success in leading a healthy lifestyle at work. The three action items that employers can take in order to offer their employees a more meaningful and healthy work experience is to make sure that their workload is manageable, make sure that they have flexibility around important life events and other outside obligations, and making sure that they have some sense of control over their work. By following these models and looking to intervene 
early in the process where we can have the most return on investment for those workplace wellness initiatives that show real results for the organization. That's where the magic is. The Business Review is a production of Livingston and McKay and the Handcammer School of Business at Baylor University. You can hear the Business Review every Thursday during Morning Edition and All Things Considered on 103.3, Waco Public Radio, KWBU. I'm now joined in studio by Andreas Zalumis. Andreas is the owner of Third Space Theory Coffee, also known as Thirst Coffee. They're on Colcourt Avenue near the intersection with 15th Street. Andreas, so happy to have you. You've been a big part of this Waco community since I first met you in 2018. I would love for people to know a little bit about your background and how you ended up here in Central Texas. Yeah, first off, thanks for having me. It is always good to reconnect with you. Uh, you know, it's been a couple of years, so just a lot of growth and a lot has happened. Um, so a little bit on my end, background of me, how I ended up here, really was just following my wife. Uh, she got a job that we were in, we grew up in Virginia, um, and after she was done with school, we had our first kid, very young, and the path was she was doing mechanical engineering. So we went into Houston. That was my first time in Texas. And that was my experience in Texas. And we were there for four years. Um, at, during that time, a lot happened. Um, I, you know, I was a stay-at-home dad. And then I started working. And then I started being more uh, interested in entrepreneurial endeavors. To then, I was working for a startup company that was going to be establishing a base here in Waco. And that's how I got introduced to Waco. So I had no idea about Waco uh, or anything that was around it uh, or Baylor or anything like that. I was just here for work. So I came here, was here for a week, met a couple of people that inspired me, business owners, local business owners. And uh, within a month of me visiting, <laughs> I told my wife, Bianca, that I was like, hey, I think we're going to move to Waco. And that was the beginning of, you know, the, our journey here. Did you have entrepreneurial dreams when you were looking at Waco in this beginning phase? Are you really thinking, hey, I'm just coming here for the job. I met some nice people. Yeah, uh, I was in Houston. And at the time, I had started a, a clothing brand that was uh, online. So I was designing these uh, graphics and, you know, trying to source the best quality T-shirt. And uh, so that I already started my entrepreneurial endeavors there, uh, but when I came here to Waco, it was kind of just more enhanced, and I, I, I was, like, encouraged by other entrepreneurs, and uh, I was also very interested in photography and videography, and that's kind of what I started doing here in Waco when I first came, so, uh, yeah, I was definitely interested in it before, and I'd, growing up, I always knew that I wanted to do something for myself, but... Um, not until I became a stay-at-home dad and had a lot of time and was able to, like, kind of play around with ideas. And then, you know, as my kids got old, my kid got older and our life kind of developed, I was like, where do I see myself? What is my career path? What is that? So I just started trying different things. Your wife, Bianca, and you, I think you're at three kids now. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And... These beautiful children that only mixed race babies can have. It's just <laughs> yeah. like an incredible look. And I feel the same way when I look at you. Um, I can't really tell exactly who you are, where you're from. Mm -hmm. It's hard to categorize you. But you mentioned before we got on here 
that, you know, growing up, it was more normal for my culture to be drinking black tea. Mm -hmm. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your culture and your ethnicity and and where you come from? Yeah. Uh, If you just meet me off the street straight up, I think you just say I'm African-American and you can leave it at at that. Uh, But I was actually born uh, in Zambia in Africa and I was there up until I was four years old. Um, then I moved from Zambia to Mozambique, uh, still within Africa, and I was there till I was about 11. And from there, I moved to the States. So uh, originally not from the U.S., grew up in, in Africa, and that's kind of even full circle is kind of where um, where I'm actually kind of like resonating and learning more about as, about Africa right now as a grown adult because between the time of me moving here as a, you know, 11 year old, you know, you go through school, you go through life, you're trying to adapt and fit in and all these other things. But uh, I never really, really thought about that whole experience. And now I have three kids and they're, you know, asking me questions about themselves and just asking me questions about me. And I'm like, oh man, uh, let me get back to you on that. So it's cool. I get to just like now as a, 33-year-old uh, father and husband, I'm, like, reflecting on on my heritage and my culture. I would imagine that with the coffee bean being something that's grown internationally, there's a lot of opportunities to explore different pockets of the world through this beverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, again, it's really exciting. Like, for the longest time, uh, with the business of Thirst Coffee, I didn't really know the trajectory of where I was going with it or what I was going to do. Like, I really wanted, I loved coffee. I life, I love the culture of coffee and what it brings, but I wanted it to reflect me. And it's hard to do when you don't know really much about your background and you're in a place that's influenced by so many different cultures and, you know, different coffees, um, highlighted and so right now i'm actually looking at sourcing coffee beans from zambia which is really really cool it's not something that is really desired it's not a lot of people asking for it but i see so much value in that and that 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 um that type of business or farming or like agricultural uh trait exists in zambia and i would love to help kind of bring that out and um expose people to something that's new, you know, and I, and like I, like you said, uh, that we grew up drinking tea, like tea is more common, but coffee is also a beverage that can be appreciated and it can be grown in a very, uh, quality state. And so I just want to, I want to be able to do that and bring that to, to existence. That seems like another way that Thirst Coffee could differentiate itself among an increasingly crowded coffee scene here in Waco, having more international flavors. Yeah. I mean, from the time we started, how many coffee shops were there before? Let's say even before Thirst. How how many were there? Yeah. So let's go back to when we met. So when Andreas first moved here, I think it was 2018, I was hosting Downtown Depot and was doing a a spot called the Small Business Spotlight. Mm -hmm. And... I think I was living downtown at the time and had just walked into Cultivate 712 and I saw you hawking coffee. I personally don't drink coffee, but I love coffee culture. And one of the things that's always been a tenant for me on this show is having on voices that you might not ordinarily hear. So like 
the young black man who first moves to a community is not typically the first person on NPR's list to right. have on the show. So I said, hey, this could be a cool opportunity, have people hear a little bit of perspective. And at that time, when I'm thinking about coffee, I think about dichotomy and I think about mm. common grounds. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there was really more beyond that. Yeah, and maybe, I don't know, maybe Pinewood was like at the beginning phases or had some kind of traction, but it was like really three main coffee businesses here in town. And now I think there's about 15. Uh, and within that, you're looking around like, what is everyone offering? What is, what's desired in specialty coffee or like new wave coffee? Um, and how do you distinguish yourself? And I think, Again, as I'm getting, I'm getting older and maturing and kind of reflecting on who I am, I'm able to just kind of find my niche and kind of, you know, stay in a pocket and say, like, yeah, I love the um, all the Sumatras and I love the Ethiopian and I love, but like, what what can I bring out that people aren't trying, that people aren't even looking at? And so I think it's a it's a cool opportunity for sure. I'm really excited to to be able to like tap into a market that is really not tapped. I've talked to a couple of exporters and they're like, yeah, nobody's looking for Zambian coffee. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of like, oh, dang, like what's wrong with the coffee there? But it's just not a region that people think about when they think coffee. So for me, it's like that's an opportunity. And that's that's the entrepreneurial mindset. It's like you find the opportunity and you maximize from it. So the way to make outsized impact is to be contrarian and to be correct. So if everybody's doing the same thing, then you're not contrarian. And you can be non-contrarian, but if you're incorrect, then nobody cares. Mm-hmm. But if you can be contrarian against what everybody else, they're getting their coffee from Guatemala or Honduras, mm-hmm. and you happen to be correct, hey, I found these beans that only grow in Zambia. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is making these. Mm-hmm. That's the way that you can really skyrocket. Yeah. And it's, it and it goes deeper for me. It's 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 more than just about the, the coffee beans. It's about the people. Um, and tying back to my heritage and my culture and wanting to, in, in a way, do something, do something big. Um, and so I, I'm really, I'm really excited and I'm just blessed that there's been cool opportunities. Like I, I've, I have now a 10 pound roaster that is like ready for me to use, you know, and I scaled up from, uh, a one pound roaster at the beginning of 2020 to now being able to scale up to something that's doing like 10 pounds. So with all the new progression uh, that's happening, even just within this year, has allowed me to want to dream bigger and make bigger impacts uh, through my coffee business, through relationships and, you know, just expose people to my culture. You're hearing from Andreas Alumis, owner of Third Space Theory Coffee, also known as Thirst. What is the Third Space Theory? Yeah, uh, Third Space Theory is the theory that as humans, we have our first space that is our home. Uh, We have our second space that's where we go to work. And then we have our third space that's where we go to be a part of community, to grow relationships, to just feel part of something. And as humans, you know, you go to the library, you go to the bar, you can go, you know, uh, the park is a third space, essentially. But uh, here in Waco, I was struggling finding that space for me, uh, specifically as a black man. And, you know, that culture doesn't necessarily fit with the Waco culture growing up, right? 
So um, third space theory is that is is a place for anyone and everyone will come in. It has its own vibe. It has uh, it has its desires. Like I want to show off African coffee. I want to uh, highlight the beans, but I also want people to feel welcome. I want people to, to ask questions. I want people to just come in there and just sit. And whether you like coffee, you don't like coffee. I just want you to be a part of this community, this thing that uh, is accepting of everybody, honestly. You had a unique path toward entrepreneurship. For you, it really came through the more creative side and having your clothing business, mm-hmm. doing photography as well. What are some of the issues that you've run into being the creative brain and now trying to run a business that <laughs> at the end of the day is dollars and cents? Yeah. Um, so I think it goes with like just being a creative straight up is like you just want to bring things to existence, right? You're not thinking about how how I got to make money on this. You just want to create, you know, as an artist, you want like a visual artist, you might want to paint uh, and then you worry about Oh, how much is going to sell for later as a photographer? I'm seeing images, I'm taking pictures, but I'm not like, how am I going to make money from this? I'm just catching and capturing what's, what's, what I see. Uh, so it's, it's been difficult. It's been a a learning curve, but, uh, the Waker community has been great. I've had a lot of mentors step in and just highlight and shed light on specific things that I should be doing in my business. Um, and just allow me to grow the way I see myself grow. So, so I'm learning to now do both of those things. I dream big and not limit myself, but then also be able to be to be practical and put the things in place so that it's longstanding and it's not just a one-off deal. And it's not just uh, I just I'm not just inspired this one time. Like it, it's it's ongoing and it's gonna make money. So it's been a journey, but I have people around me that I'm blessed to, to have and to know that are like, hey, are you thinking about this? How are you going to do this? Um, you know, five years from now, what does that look like? So it, it allows me to to do both. You know, it's not just me. What are some examples of businesses in the community or individuals who have mentored you who, in your perspective, do a good job of retaining that creativity while also finding a way to turn it into a business? Yeah. Um, let's see. That's, that's a hard because, uh, when I think of creative, like I think of, when I think of thirst, even right now, there's so many creatives that come through there that that are, uh, either photographers, uh, or poets or musicians. Um, and I mean, I'm not knocking on any other businesses, but I, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily seeing that in other businesses where you have these, like, these people that are so expressive and just out there um, experiencing the space, you know, and, and and also intertwining with business professionals at the same time and bridging that gap between the two. So it's not just like one type of crowd. It's like, you know, uh, yeah. So as a creative who has found entrepreneurship, You've had some mentors who have helped you. What about other resources? Are there podcasts that you find yourself coming back to? Mm-hmm. Are there books that you've read that have sort of helped bridge this gap between, hey, I have all these creative skills. Mm-hmm. Now I need to learn some practical business skills. Um, man, I will say, I will, I will say that 
even though they I don't see that artist um <clears throat> business collaboration or you know young professional collaboration happen all over the place there are businesses that have helped me streamline and I can lean on you know chalk community is definitely one that I have to put out there um Helados has been huge for me uh Alpha Omega like you know, even the the guys from Dichotomy uh, and the guys from Pinewood, all these people have played a role in uh, just putting things on my radar and being able to be like, hey, this is what we're doing. What are you doing? You know, like you, you can operate in this way and you can operate in that way. It's up, it's up to you, but just giving me kind of like a playbook. So that's been helpful. And then also just self-learning. I, I think uh, I didn't graduate from high school and I didn't go to college so I've had to learn to be resourceful. So a lot of YouTubing, a lot of reading the web, a lot of just kind of like sitting in with people and just asking them as bunch of, as many questions as I can. Um, I just met a finance major that's huge for me and has already enlightened me in how to value either uh, the dollar today, how to invest into whether it's equipment or uh, take risks. So I'm learning those things. So it's really just from my relationships and the the community around me. Thirst keeps a very diverse and robust calendar of events. I know currently you guys have mm-hmm. a photography exhibit that's up there. Um, there's poetry slams and mm-hmm. music. Tell our mm-hmm. listeners a little bit about some of the art that they might run into if they're visiting. Yeah, uh, and that, that that's what gives me life. Um, I definitely enjoy event organizing and just making art uh, more accessible to the majority. So uh, right now in the space, we are doing live music on the first Fridays uh, of the month. And uh, we're doing slam poetry on the third Thursdays of the month. And we have and actually we have a it's called 507 Gallery. It's a small gallery in the back of Thirst. We have rotating uh, exhibitions uh, yearly. So the next one is actually going to be coming up on the second. So if, you know, if you're free, you're in Waco, come check it out. It's definitely unique. The idea behind all these things are just to make uh, the arts more accessible to a specific demographic. And I'm located in a neighborhood. You know, you've come around there. There's not much around there, but the people in the neighborhood appreciate it and, and come through and kind of just get to explore different parts of Waco. As we wrap up here, I do want to ask about that neighborhood that mm-hmm. you're in and specifically the intersection. I mean, here at 15th and Colcord, you've got a black coffee shop. Mm-hmm. You've got a Mexican popsicle store. Mm-hmm. You've got a Mediterranean spot that's selling soul food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have everything that Mission Waco is doing. What's so special about that intersection and what kind of culture have you guys been able to cultivate there? Yeah, I think in simple terms, it just invites the everyday person. It's inviting to the everyday person. You don't have to be balling with money. It's not about you being poor. It's just like we just it just invites the the middle class, I guess. And, you know, I think that's a beautiful thing. We're not aimed even though we do get people that are traveling and everything like that. We're we're aimed at like the community and it's a focus on the people in the community and surrounding community. So that I think that's it. It was just we're just looking right in front of us and around us. There's a big difference between making people feel invited to something and then helping them feel welcomed mm-hmm. to something. And it seems like a lot of our community development we try to do is inviting people. Hey, there's an art show. Why don't mm-hmm. you show up? It looks to me 
like what you're doing at Thirst is you're taking that next step and you're really creating a space that's welcoming people in. Yeah. And that's just that's just from the service. From the time you walk in, the conversation is genuine. It's not just like come through, grab what you're getting, and then go. We want to talk to you. We want to get to know you. Um, we're going to ask you questions. We want to make sure you're getting exactly what you want to get. Uh, you're leaving satisfied beyond just like a product. You're leaving with a relationship. Uh, the one thing I do a lot of the time is just introduce people, whether you you know them or you don't know them. I'm introducing you to somebody and, you know, you leave you leave with so much more. The community matchmaker, Andreas Salumis, owner of Thirst Coffee there at the intersection of 15th and Concord. Thank you so much for what you're doing in Waco and thank you for sharing some of your story with us here on Downtown Depot. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Andreas Salumis of Thirst Coffee, Megan Davis of the City of Waco's Parks and Rec Department, and you for tuning in to episode 163 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can find me in between episodes on social media, at Waco Business News on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to join me here on December 15th for another edition of Downtown Depot. We'll have news about some changes coming in the new year, in addition to our annual conversation with Waco Mayor Dylan Meek on the January 5th episode. I'm Austin Meek, and this is 103.3 Waco Public Radio, KWBU. You've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.